Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox, and I would like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series sponsored by Exiger on From Third-Party Risk Management to Supply Chain Risk Management, Exiger on the Evolution of Supplier Compliance in COVID-19. First, a word about Exiger. Exiger was founded to fight financial crime, fraud, and terrorist financing by introducing technology-enabled solutions to the market's biggest supply chain, risk, investigation, litigation, and compliance challenges. The global authority on risk and compliance, Exeter services on the world's largest banks, Fortune 1000 companies, and government agencies and regulators. Exeter combines frontline expertise of former prosecutors, intel analysts, Department of Defense veterans, and compliance officers leading technologists and forensic accountants with cutting-edge, fit-for-purpose artificial intelligence technology. In recognition of the growing volume and complexity of data and regulations, Exeger is committed to working with clients to create a more sustainable risk management environment through its holistic and innovative approach to problem solving. To find out how Exeger is making the world a safer place and more effective place to do business, visit Exeter.com or reach out to any of the experts featured in this week's podcast series. Over this five-part podcast series, we will put a spotlight on financial institutions with Tara Loftus and Summer Pratt. We will put a spotlight on corporations with Aaron Narva and Ren McKetchern. We will put a spotlight on federal government and supply chains with Kerry Wibben and Vishnu Anatamula. Look at the pillars of good compliance with Brandon Daniels and Carrie Wibben. We will conclude with third-party risk management solutions with Erica Peters and Skylar Chi. Today I'm joined by Vishnu Anamatula, Senior Manager of Federal Solutions, and Carrie Wibben, Senior Vice President, National Security and Intelligence. We take up the topic of federal government and supply chain risk management perspective and compliance reawakening. This episode will terrify you. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for episode three. And today we're going to take up federal government and supply chain risk management. I have with me Carrie Wibben and Vishnu Anatamula. Uh, Carrie and Vishnu, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. One of the themes we've already seen in this podcast series is how the coronavirus health crisis has accelerated trends that were beginning and perhaps awakened trends, new trends. And I wanted to ask you, Carrie, has this awakening occurred in the federal government around supply chain, supply chain as a security risk, and uh, third parties in the supply chain who might be doing business with the federal government? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I guess just to start, you know, I've spent the last two decades in defense and intelligence in the federal government and um, really spent the last five years focused on counterintelligence and risks to our critical technologies and critical infrastructure and associated supply chains um, in my role as the director of counterintelligence and security for for DOD. Um, I think a slow awakening has occurred over the past several years, uh, really about the fact that our adversaries no longer have to engage us kinetically to threaten our way of life. Um, They, you know, our adversaries every single day engage us non-kinetically through blended operations that take place 
through attacks to our supply chain in the cyber domain and also by exploiting human elements. Um, and the, the harsh reality, Tom, is that every single day China and Russia employ a broad range of intelligence and military capabilities to steal our intellectual property. And this is really an attempt to gain a competitive economic and military advantage over us as a nation. Um, you know, the, the Defense Department and the intelligence community really recognize that this, our response as a nation is woefully inadequate, um, both within the government and across the private sector. Um, a couple of the stats I like to point to just to really hit home and emphasize this problem um, is, you know, it's estimated that one in every six North American companies has fallen victim to IP theft. Um, and the estimated value of that theft is up to $600 billion. So as you can imagine, you know, that net effect is absolutely taking a toll. Our, our competitive advantage as a nation, our ability to fight and win the wars of the future, our ability to maintain enough military and technological dominance to deter those wars in the future is absolutely slipping from our grasp. Um, another stat I refer to is the fact that the U.S. was ranked ninth in the world recently on the list of top innovative nations. And that's a huge indicator that signals that innovators do not want to develop their ideas in the United States. And the reason for that is that they know their IP will be stolen. And so they go elsewhere. Um, so, but, you know, those companies that remain and the defense industrial base in particular are on the receiving end every day, every minute of every day of completely disproportionate adversarial attacks on their supply chain and through non-cyber means. Um, and the supply chains remain incredibly vulnerable. Um, these companies that comprise the defense industrial base are aware of the threat, absolutely aware of it. Um, and really thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic, I think middle America is now aware because the shortage in critical medical supplies across our nation has suddenly made this concept of supply chain vulnerabilities and the massive problem we have of on foreign reliance an absolute household concept and it's really hit home. So in short, I think it's absolutely fair to say that we as a nation have finally been awakened to this problem. Gary, if I could follow up that, talked about the security risk around intellectual property in the public sphere the the security data security breach that resonated the most with Americans, I think, was Target, uh, where they came in through an HVAC contractor and they took uh, personal data, uh, credit card numbers, et cetera. Uh, is that type of theft also occurring in federal government supply chains where it may not be an intellectual property theft, but it might be something more basic uh, around just money? Yes, absolutely. And, and we unfortunately don't have enough time today. I could go on and on with all the different types of examples. You just mentioned one. Another one, if you think about the aggregate of information that's being stolen on a daily basis and you think of other cyber breaches that have occurred, such as the breach of all of the personal information for security clearance holders in the federal government. And then you think about what our adversaries, China in particular, can do when they aggregate the totality of that stolen information, the IP theft, the other PII, and the very sensitive information related to who in our government has access to our most sensitive data and information. Um, and, and, and it really is alarming and unsettling. But again, I think we're finally at a point as a nation where the recognition, the awareness, which had to happen first, is, is happening 
really broadly and effectively, and now we can actually get coordinated in our response as a nation, hopefully in a time to ensure no permanent damage occurs. Vishnu, having, uh, Carrie having outlined uh, some of the problem, I was wondering from your perspective, is it correct to say COVID-19 has accelerated the process? And then more importantly, what are some of the solutions you and your team are beginning to advise on? I believe so. I think the ongoing pandemic is absolutely exposing a number of vulnerable supplier networks. And our adversaries are preying on these vulnerabilities all the way down through our supply chains. A number of FBI investigations, for instance, they've revealed how our adversaries have executed against multiple threat vectors simultaneously to get the information that is most important to them, whether it's intellectual property, or as you identified, other information that they might find beneficial to their means. But we also notice that a lot of that intellectual property theft is targeting critical technologies and programs. In fact, I will tell you that uh, FBI Director Chris Ray recently mentioned that China has significantly ramped up legal activity to subvert our supply chains to the point where they believe they are opening up a new China-related counterintelligence investigation every 10 hours. Over half of the FBI's active counterintelligence caseload is related to China, China alone. But the silver lining could be uh, that DOD and federal agencies are recognizing this increased risk, and they're expediting a number of supply chain risk management initiatives. This may be uh, something as simple as vetting critical medical suppliers for PPE equipment, personal protective equipment, or it could be more operational, financial, and we could determine a number of other risk factors and reputational legal risk factors for each of these suppliers so we can understand exactly, no matter how important or, or logistics-based our suppliers are, we have an understanding of where our money is going and how we can best safeguard our property. Similarly, the same process has been expanded to determine and mitigate continuing impact of the COVID-19 to the industrial base, for the defense industrial base. It includes us eliminating sectors of interest, including sub-tier network illuminations into the respective sector supply chains. And once the supply chain is illuminated and conducted, the DOD can holistically screen and vet each of these vendors individually to identify any underlying supplier networks to ensure that these suppliers are reputable, they are financially secure, they're operationally reliable, and we want to ensure they're not vulnerable to any undue corrupt influence. So we cannot accept um, risk or in any way compromise the integrity of the defense industrial base. It seems like you both have uh, articulated that you believe this mindset is long overdue, but really why at this point in time is perhaps not that mindset shift occurring, but why do you believe it's so critical right now? Well, it's certainly long overdue because supply chain risk management and counterintelligence as a whole, they were largely deprioritized during the global war on terrorism. It, it distracted us away from global power competition. I think we're finally returning our attention to these concepts that were central to our intelligence apparatus and the way we thought during the Cold War. 
juxtaposed to this landscape of global competition, I think supply chain risk management really is an absolute imperative. That's where it starts. The future of our economic security and our national security, I believe, depends on it. So this shift in the DOD's approach towards supply chain risk management and counterintelligence is slowly driving, in my opinion, a necessary cultural change across not only the government and DOD, but it's trickling down into our defense industrial base as well. Yeah, and I would just add, if I could there, um, you know, we're seeing some early adopters across the defense industrial base finally make the necessary investment in cyber hardening, in supply chain risk tools and capabilities. And just to make a prediction, I've been at this a while, um, I actually see that as DOD continues down this path to really bake security in as the foundation of the acquisition process, the the, the defense industrial base companies that make these investments if they're smart, they will make them soon, they'll make them early because it will become a discriminating factor going forward in the acquisition process. And if they don't make those investments, they will be left behind. Carrie, that's fascinating that you would really bring up a market issue, an economic issue to become as compliance uh, with and through compliance would become a true market differentiator. It seems like a great segue into what are some of the things that companies can do or even should do to prepare? Great question, Tom. I think principally we can all agree that no company on their own within the defense industrial base can successfully have the resources and means to defend against a nation state sponsored cyber actor. I think companies can elevate cybersecurity and supply chain risk management as critical priorities and areas of significant investment if they have not already done so. I think spe specifically companies should have a full mapping of their cyber assets and networks, and they should consider investing in sophisticated cyber sensors to monitor for known adversary pre-attack activity. Companies can also invest in supply chain illumination and risk identification tools to enable them to map their own supplier networks down to the sub-tier level, and then conduct due diligence on those sub-tier suppliers that you've identified to understand where you are most vulnerable to ensure you can deliver whatever the product, technology, or service is back to the government in an uncompromised state from adversary penetration or intellectual property theft. So unfortunately, uh, we are near the end of our time, but I was wondering, uh, first of all, you both got, both of you all have scared me to death, and I'm sure many of our listeners are not scared <laughs> to death. So uh, having said that, I was wondering if there are any resources that I or the listeners could actually refer to to try, try to help us get over this fear and actually move forward in the way that, uh, some of the ways that you all have suggested. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. There's um, We have a fancy new web page. Um, Exeter's homepage has a link to Federal Solutions page where you'll find a little more information and products that we've produced on this topic. Um, you can also follow us on LinkedIn, of course, for the latest updates and insights, and feel free to connect with Vishnu and I on, on LinkedIn. Um, and then I think the notes from the podcast will have more resource links. Um, there's a, a report in particular called the Deliver Uncompromised Report that Vishnu and I were both involved in um, helping to develop, uh, produced by MITRE. That's a really good resource for kind of the strategic um, viewpoint and appreciation for this problem. 
Well, Vishnu and Carrie, I wanted to uh, thank uh, you both. I hope our listeners will join us again for our next episode where we consider the pillars of good compliance. Thank you both very much. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. It's been a pleasure. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you enjoyed this special podcast episode sponsored by Exeger, where we're taking a look at third-party risk management and supply chain risk management. Check out Exeger on their website, www.exeger.com. List uh, a lot of resources in the show notes from these two speakers, so check those out if you want any more information. I hope you'll join us again for our next episode in this special five-part podcast series from third-party risk management to supply chain risk management. Exeter on the evolution in supply chain compliance during COVID-19. This has been a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network.